Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Howdy, my welcome to Caucus, everybody. I won't be shouty. I won't go all debate-wise and shout. Is that okay, Lisa? Yes, thank you, Tom. Happy with my volume control now? Yes, thank you. Excellent. Oh, we yes. welcome to Caucus, and welcome to Caucus Guy and Espiner, who has worked in, walked in right on cue. We've just started, bro. Oh, mate, please, Your Honour. Yeah. <laughs> get your headphones on and get ready to roll. Look, Look at that suit. All right, hey, this is uh, Caucus nine days out from the election. We are not complacent. We are not taking anything for granted. We are still working for every vote. Thank you. We are praying hard for your support. I've just been out on the campaign trail. Oh, no, I haven't. I've been in court. You've been in court? <laughs> on the New Zealand First time. Foundation case. <laughs> who, who are you again? <laughs> oh, I'm Guy Espiner. And I'm Lisa Owen. Kia ora, I'm Scott Campbell. And I'm Tim Watkin, and this is very exciting because happy level one, everybody. Scott Campbell with us in the house, baby. Yes, thank you, Cabinet, for allowing me to travel to Auckland and be here. Yep. Awesome to have you here at last. No mai, Heidi mai. Kanaui. Excellent. Hey, 370,000 people have already voted, but there are still votes to be done, so we're still doing the work to make sense of this all for you. Um, we've got a little question, a listener question to answer later on. We can talk about the stuff debate and where we think things are heading over the next uh, nine days, but let's first talk about walkabouts. Or well, should we talk about where Guyon's been? Well, actually, let's do that very first. Party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. do you know? Well, I've just been in the Waitakere District Court to uh, view the proceedings that the SFO are taking against the New Zealand First Foundation. They did a big investigation into that, and it's a name suppression hearing. So I can't tell you everything, um, but the big you, news, is the there big anything news, we know more? The big news out of today are the charge sheets. The charge sheets have been released, and it talks about the amount of money involved, and it's the thick end of three quarters of a million dollars. So more than $700,000 is at play here. And the charges are that the two people who have been charged in relation to this case used a fraudulent device to uh, take control over that money and end up by uh, paying expenses for the New Zealand First Party. That's the guts of, of, that, uh, of, of the charges. And the names of the two people are still suppressed. And the judge is giving it 24 hours or so to see how, whether that uh, goes further. Now, 24 it, hours and then the judge will rule? Yeah, but it, it, it may not be that we are able to publish the names then. But the political point for us as a caucus to, to, to talk about mm -hmm. and for our audience is this whole thing about... Uh, whether this is relevant to the election and whether uh, the names and connections, if any, to the political party are relevant information. You talked before about uh, 370,000 people already having voted. Yep. Many others who are going to vote um, on the day. And the argument that Robert Stewart, who is acting for the media companies today, RNZ, NZME and stuff, um, and also a TVNZ lawyer was in court too, was mm. making was... This is information that is vital for the public to know because it goes to the heart of whether or not the the leader of New Zealand First is making an accurate statement by saying his party is exonerated and there's separation between the foundation and the party. And that's the thing we don't know what we don't know. Not knowing those names of the suppressed people mean that we can't know whether the, the, you know Winston Peters is, is being um, straight with us and the degree to which either... Um, 
we can judge for ourselves whether or not yeah. you know there is a link there. We need to test the claim as asserted by the SFO and also the leader of New Zealand First that there is nobody closely associated with the party who has been charged because we got the list as Guy on likes to call it the list of um, things they're not on, on, on the day that the charges were issued they're not they ain't they ain't sitting uh, MPs they ain't current members of the party and what were the other disclaimers oh that they weren't ministers or staff members or, or um, candidates in, in, in the upcoming election so, so, so we, we know a bit about what so there, there's on. a lot of stuff that we obviously can't go into you can't talk about particularly given the fact that it's been in court today, but you've been around this type of thing for a long time. Do you think it's important that people know? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think it's important that people know. Um, I think these go um, right to the heart of the idea of a free and open society. You know, you, you, voters have access to information about. Uh, all sorts of things, hopefully, the referendum, the party policies and, and, and their characters and their debates. We ask them everything. Um, we even ask them how much a leg of lamb costs or, or how much a bottle of milk costs. The idea... And there are laws around you, how they spend money and what they do with their money. Yeah, that's yep. right. For and, disclosure reasons. Yep. And so, so um, I, I personally do, um, and I think um, you know the media companies themselves obviously uh, believe it's in, in, important, but we'll, we'll see where we get to with the judge. Yeah, these days media companies reaching in their back pocket to take court action suggests that they do value this information highly because everybody's on much tighter budgets at the moment mm. and not everything always appears as it seems which I suppose is what you were going to start talking about well plants there's a segue I was going to talk about the walk and um, ask I was going to my, my next pun was going to be whether Judith Collins paid a price for her walkabout in Ponsonby yesterday um, she went for a walk up Ponsonby Road was very concerned about the economy because so few people were there, but there were some people there. And the people, who was there, Scott? Uh, party people, by the sounds of it. <laughs> well, and, and not even by the sounds of it, there were some very recognisable faces on that uh, on that walkabout. And interestingly enough, at the end of all, during some of the TV footage last night, um, Judith Collins said, well, Ponsonby Road isn't, doesn't have a lot of foot traffic. We've got to ask, well, why go there? <laughs> <laughs> It's a curious place. Let's have a look at this bit of footage, um, which uh, pointed out one person who was waiting on Ponsonby Road for Judith Collins. Walk about, you're over with the National Party, and then you yeah. come up to Judith like you're just a member of the public. Yeah, yeah no, I've <coughs> I've been involved in the party for a long time. Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty common. Yeah. Is it to put supporters well, along? No, board. no, I, I was in I was in Ponsonby anyway. Yeah, right. Right, okay. You chance to grab your name? Or it just seems like yeah. you guys were stacking the walk with. No, no, no. There's a whole, a whole lot of general members of the public. So just to be very clear, because um, mm. he didn't give his name, that was Hamish Price, a long-time uh, National Party um, activist and campaign guy. Yeah, and I just, this was just gold. <laughs> I, I, you know, just watching this unfold was Awkward. just like, I mean, get out the popcorn and play it again, please. Because it was sort of like the casual nonchalantly walking along Ponsonby Road. And then the first person who I saw in the sequence was a relatively young chap who kind of came forward and thrust his hand out and shook Judith Collins' hand and said, you know, you did a great job in the in the press debate. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then, you know, a few more metres down the road and then someone else came forward and the message was not dissimilar. And then it just kept happening. And then I thought, hmm, okay. You know, and it was the frequency of the casualness of the encounters. <laughs> and that the awkwardness. Kind of, and the awkwardness that put the radar up. And the thing is, 
we got a lot of feedback on this on Checkpoint. Yeah, yeah. And someone texted in and said, when is a person a plant and when are they an invited guest? And I thought that's interesting because the explanation was, you know, these are people who wanted to come out and meet the leader. Yeah, fine, but be upfront about it. Don't mm. pretend, because, hello, let's just put the question out there. Would Judith Collins know who Hamish is? <laughs> Yes. Right. So that, <laughs> that did not play out like, hi, g'day, Hamish, good to see you. Oh, it's nice that you've come down to see me when I'm wandering along here. It was as if they was, these were just random strangers <laughs> that she'd stumbled across on the tumbleweed-esque Ponstonby Road. Maybe on the brief they left out the part at the bottom which said, don't hang around at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think this just speaks to um, the disorganisation of the campaign, which we've talked about before. I mean, would they be the first party to part, uh, plant... Um, someone no. in, in a meteorop? Absolutely not. No. The idea is that you probably do do that, but you pepper pot them in with a wider crowd and a sympathetic audience, right? No one's going to go into hostile territory. So that's not that's not new. Jacinda Ardern was um, at um, university, was it Dunedin? Yep. Yeah. She was yes, great. Was. You know, a lot of labour, you know, obviously a lot of younger students were supporting her. You know, that's just um, smart politics. And yeah, you'd bring in some people around to, to, to swell up the numbers. But but to it, it stunk of a last minute thing, oh, we better get some people who know her. And so you get a staffer or an ex-staffer. And again, just this shambolic uh, seat of the pants stuff from National that is really... You know, they've been keeping, they've been skating along on that thin ice and, and just, I think what we're seeing now as the clock starts to, 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 to drain away is that they've just been falling through and drowning a bit. And it was, it was the way in which uh, they presented themselves when they were kind of called out about it because, you know, it, it's the idea that they tried to imply, if not explicitly state, that they were round, random encounters. And then there was that other just moment, the kind of possum in the headlight moment when um, Judith Collins was asked, you know, it seems like there's a few plants along, along the way here. And Where was em- Jimmy? She gave the... <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of plant. Different kind of plant, yep. And then Emma Mallow, the candidate, the national candidate for Auckland Central, was stood right by her side, and then she just got the Judith Collins so- side eye. Yeah, the side eye that says, this is on you, yeah, step you up. Take you, you take this one. Well, I, I'm not going there. It, it, we're at a time, in, you know, we're nine days out from the big day, and you're trying to sell the party on trust us, we will be able to bring this economy back. Strong team, baby. Yeah, it's it's a it can't organise a booze up in a brewery no. type of moment, you know. And, and look, I I was out with um I was planning to go to um to that walkabout on Ponsonby Road if my dog hadn't been sick yesterday because I was trying to get a walkabout with each of the main party leaders. But um I did last Friday go um follow Jacinda Ardern down Newmarket um, when she did her walkabout um, in Auckland, and it was interesting that when I first got there, there was you know the press gaggle or standing around slightly awkwardly to do waiting for something to happen. Her staff were around looking desperately and thinking, oh, where can we get a crowd from? And for a couple of minutes, I thought, oh, this is interesting. She, there's not, just because you happen to stand on, in, on Broadway in, in um, uh, Newmarket doesn't mean you actually get a crowd. She started to walk down the street and it was, she was looking for babies and looking for dogs. And, but it took at most five minutes. She got to Teed Street, um, if people know Auckland, halfway down Broadway, um, and said hello to a couple, uh, a family about to cross the road. And by the time she'd finished that conversation, there were three other people there. And then she started talking to them and moved around the corner, and then there was another three. 
And within a couple of minutes, there was a queue around the corner down Broadway. And we're talking about high-vis workers. We're talking about punk teenagers, grandmothers. There was literally a queue. And there was a couple of young women who had just written their first children's book and wanted to show it to her and get her to sign it, um, which she, she did and had the photo. And they had the photo with her, started to walk away, and literally skipped away down this down the road hugging each other. There was there's this there's yeah. a different and, level and, of star and, quality, right? And um, it was the same for John Key back in the day. Exactly. And, and yeah. a lot of us um, have been on the uh, on the election campaign trails over the years, and largely New Zealand election campaigns have been conducted in shopping malls. Yeah. You know, that you go is, where people are. Yeah, right? you go That's... where people are, and um, and then you wing it largely. And how good are you at interacting? What do you do with a heckler? I mean, Winston Peters is mm. very good with a, with a heckler. He likes that, and he'll enjoy that, and he'll play off the crowd because uh, he's an experienced politician. Um, and so you, you take what comes, but to, to to plant obvious staff members and have them stick out like dogs' balls, if I can use that you can phrase. use that can term. Yeah. It's not Tim's. You're term. online, mate. Tim, you're fine. How's your dog, yeah. Tim? Is that okay. He's well. He's, he's getting operated. On, but he's, uh, you know, God willing, mate. You've still got those parts? Or yeah, 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 no, no, he lost yeah. those a long time ago. Anyway, where do we go? Mind those out from the election, and yeah. we're talking about the things that yeah. matter. But yep. yeah, I think it was, um, I think it was, uh, Dom, no, I won't talk about Don Brash and Bob Clarkson. Anyone who Googles those two things in the previous conversation will get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this came on the back of a couple of bad days for. For Judith, because um, you, you know, it, didn't you? talking about a dog's bollocks, uh, more of a dog's breakfast really has been national a couple of days before that. <laughs> there you go, I found the segue. Um, was this leaked email from Denise Lee, um, because mm. which all started with uh, Judith Collins having a big long interview with Mike Hoskin on ZB and a clearly pre-arranged announcement that went something like this. We've got, uh, we've got about three minutes before the half hour, so let's talk about your policy this morning, the Auckland Council. Yes. What do you want to do? Well, look, I reckon they're a mess. Um, so what we're saying is that in the first 100 days, put in place terms of reference and inquirers to actually go through and see how after 10 years of being all brought together into one council, uh, what's gone right and what's gone wrong. And I think what we're going to find is more has gone wrong than what's gone r right. So this was a big announcement, supposedly, on, on ZB, which um, basically was a review, of a, a review of the Auckland Council, which was, you know... Uh, not the most dramatic announcement, but it was it was you know her thing for the day to kick off the day and, and get some some headlines around sticking it to Auckland Transport and Auckland Council. Um, Denise Lee, the National Party spokesperson for Auckland um, and a former Auckland City Councillor and someone in a very tight race in Mangakikia, um, said um, wrote an email going, "I don't know anything about this. This is a nightmarish policy. This is really bad culture to to go out without telling your Auckland spokesperson about it." What the heck's going on? And then somebody within the National Party leaked that to um, to the media. It's it's pretty and and Scottish let's be clear, shaking his head. Yeah, yeah. leaking, no, leaking this personal election. It's it's, it's just it's ill discipline first and foremost for the 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 fact that that email supposedly was copied to about fifty people within in the caucus itself in the party and just and then for somebody then to go and send it out further than that. Mm. Um, again, I think it all comes back to this idea of trust us, we can look after you when actually. They're fighting amongst themselves, obviously. I think, you know, leaders, and, and over the last couple of weeks, both Jacinda Ardern and Judith Collins have made policy on the hoof. We've seen that yeah. already. Yeah. But the other members of the party or, or, and the candidates will just suck it up. It's your leader are the ones who are out there. They're fronting it. They're the ones who you hope will become the Prime Minister. And you reap the rewards afterwards. But to have a petty little hit at the, um, 
and it wasn't something that was a huge announcement. No. It might be to Denise Lee because having her connections with Auckland Council, but it's not something you really want to die in a ditch over, surely. No, I mean, that was a, a naive thing for Denise Lee to do, um, to copy in 50 people. I mean, <laughs> that's going to be risky. Um, anyone could have told you that. But again, I get back to my point of organisation. I, I take your point that the leader has the captain's call. And if you're on a debate and Paddy Gow says, oh, you're going to do a review into Pharmac, and you go, yes, then you can kind of understand that. This felt more like um, pushing out a policy because beating up on Auckland Council is kind of fun um, and attractive to voters and so you you put out this kind of review and again it just seems to me that they're just grasping at straws throwing the ball around desperately to try and make hits and I think Judith Collins had had been playing out of her skin but I mean that in a way that she'd been playing above herself Mm. I think and what we're seeing is that was never going to last forever the sporting analogy is biffing the ball around with huge passes on your try line trying to get a a last minute victory you know that the intercept pass is coming Mm. and that's what's happened to Nash I've seen we've seen it um, a, a number of times, and and this to me was one of them. Yeah, I found this really interesting too, from a couple of points of view. She was always going to make this announcement on this radio show because um, the host said right at the start of the session, "You've got a new policy that you you want to announce." So they'd been given the heads up. So she clearly came prepared with something to throw out there, something new, uh, a bone to give the media. So there was a degree of preparation in this, how much we don't know. She says two to three weeks. Yeah, yeah. she says two to three weeks. Um, When Scotty's saying that, you know, this was not going to be the killer blow to announce a review of Auckland Council, the other thing to remember is they've just done this massive review of um, all of those, you know, council controlled controlled authorities like ATEED and the CCOs and all the rest of it and Watercare. They already did that. They already did a massive review and the findings of that have been released. So she's kind of um, digging up old ground as well. So it wasn't even that she went to the wall for something that was really going to bring it on the campaign trail. Now we see that there's still there's still dissent in the ranks. And is this about the fact that they all think they're about to crash and burn in the election? If she doesn't bring home a certain number, is she toast? By her own musings in her own book, she says that National Party um, MPs do not tolerate losers, loser leaders. Yeah. So, and and we're hearing through various media reports that there's already this low rumble in the background. But there always has been, right? I mean, let's, let's be honest. National was going through, you know, they, they'd really picked Bridges as the guy for this one. And then when they tried to change horses, it was, it, there was a degree of desperation all year. And by the time they got to Collins, she hadn't been popular within the caucus earlier. And so this was a you know, to quote Mike Moore, save the furniture kind of um, situation, right? She was there to, to make sure they didn't crash and burn completely. And so if you are in a save the furniture race, you came in late, you're not going to have time to consult with your caucus extensively. You aren't going to make up stuff off the hoof. I think that's a given. I don't blame her for that at all. She's She's been given this really hard job to try and pull something up from a really difficult situation. You think about National three months ago, you know, fighting with each other and all over the place. Yeah, she's I, been given a job. She's got to have licence to, to put her own stamp on so it. So I was talking to a guy earlier this week who was who's a, a, a through and through blue supporter and yeah. he said to me for the first time ever I'm going to vote for Jacinda Ardern mm. he said I was thinking this two or three weeks ago he said and then I watched just um, then I watched Judith Collins in the debates and I went oh actually we may have a bit of a it wasn't as much as 
we're going to win the election, but it was we might not shame ourselves as much as what we thought we were going to previously. Yeah. And he said, so maybe I will vote for the National Party this time around. It's quite interesting that Judith has you know, saved, and it's only one voter, but she has pulled it, him back. It's the Helen Clark factor, and you guys will remember this, the Bolger-Helen Clark debate. Uh, Helen Clark was never going to win the election, but she was seen to put in this good performance, and she held on, even though she held on through that because she showed some credibility. She wasn't always the first choice of everybody no, either. No. So, I mean, they I don't know if they would both hate the fact that they're being compared to each other or love it. <laughs> I'm not sure. But maybe... Judith Collins, if she comes in with a respectable number, if she can't win it, she comes in with a respectable number, she gains some ground in some of the debates, although I think looking at the press um, debate that she kind of crossed a line there, um, you know, she she could hang around. And and that's the, that for me, look, I'm guessing. I mean, I've certainly, the, some of the people national I speak to have been very clear that, that throughout this that, you know, she's a... Well, as I was saying to you earlier, she's a she's a she's a, a temporary tax cut. She's a short <laughs> short term stimulus measure, right? She's there to get them over the line, and but but there's not a great swell of support saying, "Take us through another three years, Judith." I think there's definitely dissent within that camp, but it's it's that situation where where maybe this leak. Look, and it's a guess, but but you got to wonder whether she was starting to play out of it. it's going to look too good, and people are like we don't want to look so good. The people who are opposing her with the national don't want to look, her to look like a credible leader of the opposition, so that she does get another three years. I think sometimes, I mean, you, you can weave all around on this stuff, and 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 you all make good points there. I, I like to fast forward straight to twenty twenty three and go. Would you go into that election with Judith Collins? No, and, you go in with Chris, Christopher Luxon, who's had a term to get himself yeah, sorted. Maybe. So you want to keep maybe. her. But, that, but, but you see, once you've answered that question, I like to work backwards, and I think the MPs probably do too, to some degree. And you go, I mean, would you, would, let, let's say, as is likely, she, she loses and probably gets under 35. I th- you know, the, let's just say that, that it's around their, their 33, whatever. Yep. Would you go into 2023 with Judith Collins against Jacinda Ardern? And I think you'd have to say no as an MP. And then you probably, once you've got that mark on your head and you've had that discussion, then it becomes very difficult to handle. But that's my point. If if there were people in the party who don't want her to lead in the future and were thinking, "Mm, she could get 38, then 39... You think they kneecapped her? They kneecapped her. Yeah, to well, make sure she doesn't get that. If, if, if you do look over this next three-year period, right, it's a little bit of a poison chalice because if somebody has to be able to bring um, bring the economy back. And, and either Jacinda Ardern-led Labour Party is going to do a fantastic job and she'll be Prime Minister for the next 15 years, <laughs> uh, or they will crash and burn and somebody's going to be standing there ready to take up the slack. Yeah, there's a lot of it is timing, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. But it hasn't really fallen um, Judith's way, unfortunately. But yeah. they've already fired a few leaders out of the cannon, though, and there's only so many you've got in the yep. back row that you can keep rolling out. True. So do you sit with do you sit with the leader that you've got if you fail at the election, bide your time while others may be coming up the ranks and getting some miles on the clock and then sub them out the year before the Probably, election. yeah. Something like that. OK, good. We've got it sorted. <laughs> <laughs> if it, if it plays the out that way. Who's going to leak this one? <laughs>
And the thing is, it's not both of these things. Emma Mallow, this isn't help her in a tight race in Auckland Central. Um, Denise Lee in a tight race in, in Mangakekia mm, doesn't help either of these two, does it? This controversy swirling around them. It is interesting now that we're talking about a close race in Auckland Central because it wasn't that long ago that the polls suggested that it was anything but a close race. Yep. It was either going to be Labour coming through home and hose or that the Greens might be there or thereabouts. But Emma Mallow now is giving it a bit of a fight. I, what, what I am seeing is that at least around the country there is a bit more of a fight. Uh, and, and in the regions, and I've seen it down in the Bay of Plenty uh, as well too, mm -hmm. where um, actually I think the, the Labour Party candidate, Kitty Tapu Allen, in, in um, the East Coast Bay or East Coast region, um, about two, three, four weeks ago, you would have said, yep, she was, she was strolling through, and she probably still will, but that's previously been a safe blue seat. Uh, and I think... Yeah, I wouldn't guarantee anything down there. No, and, and again, and the Labour Party turned up this week. Well, what about Wairiki? Yeah, well, they Talk did. So, so the yeah. Māori Party caucus, so the Māori, sorry, the Māori caucus, <laughs> Māori caucus from Labour, from Labour <laughs> turned up in force in Tauranga this week. In fact, it was a couple of days ago, and they haven't done that over the past three years. No. They are a little bit worried about that. See, my, my kids said to me this morning, let's go and vote, Pa. And I said, well, I normally do that on a Saturday, a bit of a traditionalist. <laughs> but uh, but I said, who should I vote for? They said, oh, the man with the hat. Ah, which was interesting, and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Rawiri. Rawiri. Yeah. And, and he is actually coming through. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, I saw him on, on, the, uh, on the debate. Can't remember if it was Māori TV. I think it was a Māori TV debate that yep. I saw him. It was in uh, Te Reo Māori, so I didn't understand all of it, but, uh, but he was pretty impressive from what yeah, I heard. But they are worried, and I think the, the concern for Labour in that area is that if, if Wairiki was to go Māori Party, then Māori Party come back. Māori Party have already said they wouldn't go with National yep. at this election. That, yeah. yeah. So it was um, the Māori TV did a poll. It's only about five hundred voters. With Curia, though. Yeah, with Curia. And, and it's David Ferrer's poll and yep. company. Yep. So they they do know what they're on about. Yeah. So that put Tamati Coffee at thirty eight percent, twenty six percent for Rawiri Waititi, and twenty five percent undecided. And I thought to myself, how many of the undeciders are actually undecided or don't vote? Because that, that's going to be crunchy for them. And given that there was only about 1,700 about 1700 vote majority for Tamati Coffee last election, it's quite tight. Yeah, well, there are small numbers in that seat, so you know, yeah. it's not yeah. a huge turnout. And it's, so. and it's pretty staunch in the different parts of the region. So Rotorua has, has you know, previously gone really hard behind the Māori Party, but then switched behind Labour in the last election. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the sort of the eastern Bay of Plenty has really been, um, or was previously quite hard Labour, but that's where Rawiri comes from, and he's got good followings. And, and he's a really popular grassroots guy, isn't he? He's been working, you know, he's a cup of a guy really well known in the electorate. Oh, and he's everywhere. You see his face everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah he's put in the time. And Tamati Coffey, I had a quick look at the party list. He's number 37 on Labour's list. So, you know, wouldn't you be pushing, you'd be pushing the twofer deal, wouldn't you? And which is why this is coming out now. So they are definitely pushing all over social media, which is you're going to get your Labour um, Māori MPs. Uh, so yeah. go ahead and tick. It's interesting to me that Māori Party not even asking for party vote. In the advertisements, yeah. if you watch the TV ads and you see them on any of these debates, and the Hui have run good debates, and mm. so have um, Māori TV um, on the Māori electorates, they're not even asking for the party vote at all. No. They don't, and they on don't the billboards now, they're sticking up electorate vote, 
candidate vote. Yeah, yeah. There's a guy, and, and probably looking forward to another couple of elections from now. But there's a guy called Taoka Tafiris who is actually oh, from he was, yeah. down south into Taitunga electorate. Watch him. I, he, I was an, an extremely impressive um, young politician. I don't know, he's that young. He might have been mid thirties, late thirties. But in terms of a guy who's fairly new on the scene, man, he was really impressive. In One for the debate. future, that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was it was a lot stronger than you know um, a lot of Labour or National uh, candidates, experienced politicians. You see, he was very very good. Where Whereas in Tita um, Hauru, Labour seems to be more confident down there now. They seem to have yeah. got the ground game going. Gailin Nepia, who's um, Adrian Raffaro's sister, is running his campaign, and she's a legend you know, as a campaigner, ran Taranaturi's campaigns and so forth when they were involved in the Māori Party. They seem more confident than they were yeah. at the start. Well, again, this was another Māori TV poll in Te Taihauru, and it was 38% for Adrian Rurafi and 20% for Debbie Nari Wapaka, 30% undecided on, on that poll. So again, uh, wider gap. A uh, high number of undecideds. Man, I have to say that um, Debbie Ngari Wapaka was very impressive on um, on the Hui debate too. And I'm not I'm not carrying any torch for the for the Māori Party, but I agree. I, I looked at her up against uh, Adrian Rudafia, who. Yeah, he, he looked. Uh, he was the incumbent, and but he didn't have a lot of numbers. And I was looking at her, going, "Wow, this is this is like an experienced, you know, not quite a Helen Clark figure, but she was really good." Oh, she, and, and she's impressive, and she's got a good background in both the iwi politics side of things and also an iwi business. And again, one who could come through the ranks. But to be fair, and I think p pundits for for. God, the last three elections, I think when I was leading the bulletin way back in the days at one point, um, had been you get writing. A couple of leads? <laughs> <laughs> I usually turn in the second break, the top of the, top of the second break. Have been, have been writing off Adrian Udafi, and um, mate, you used to get it in the earpiece to follow Scotty, he's just said something. Um, <laughs> I think we, we've been writing off him for a long time, but it's a it's it's a base around Atana, and it's been yeah. a, it's been a yeah. Labour stronghold for a long time. So it's a Patamaui. Back in or not? Oh, I think that they've given it a great shot. Um, I think we'll see them in 2023. Yeah. And I actually think Wairiki, while everyone's got their faces turned to Te Taihauru, it's Wairiki that could could That's bring the them if it, in if yeah. it does. Mm. And then they'll be looking for a little extra so they can have one person and a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Press debate was the big set piece this week mm. and was, was interesting because it was different from the other debates. Um, let's hear the, the first clip from there, which because COVID came back in and there was a really strong exchange on, uh, on, on COVID. This is directly contrary. What I'm hearing um, from Judith tonight is directly contrary to their criticism that we should have opened the borders to Australia and China early, we that we should not. have lifted our restrictions we did. early. We have been criticised no, by the not. National Party every step of the way for our COVID response. Now, when you are in a pandemic, you cannot afford to change your mind every five minutes. Every leader we've had from National has had a different position and it's been wrong. Oh. It's a, if Miss Ardern would like to go back and have a look at what was said, it was nothing like what she's just said. So uh, that was interesting because it was one of the few moments in the, in the debates where Jacinda Ardern has gone on the offensive. But I, I accepted that invitation from Judith Collins and we went back and had a little, little look at what some of the, the previous national leaders were, were saying. So let's just have a, a, a quick listen. If we listen to um, Simon Bridges, uh, this is April 14, um, back in his first grab we got here from uh, during lockdown, uh, him talking on Magic Talk. 
we have to get out of lockdown as soon as we possibly can. We have to let people get back to work. And, you know, I think the government's been in this. It's health or the economy. I think we can chew gum and walk at the same time. I think we can have good borders, testing, tracing, PPE, but also safely allow a lot of business to get back into it. You know, there's no magic in these levels. They were dreamed up. Uh, in government, and I'm not being dismissive of them, but there is absolutely no reason why we couldn't go from level four straight to level two. So, interesting comment there. I'll play, we'll talk about it in a second, because then I'll play, we'll play Muller um, and his talk about borders, because he did a Facebook Live video shortly after he became leader, and that was what Jacinda Ardern was talking about when China was mentioned. So this is uh, Todd Muller. Our next door neighbour, Australia, have had similar success in terms of their COVID response. And so now... We are getting very close to the point where those two countries need to look at opening their borders in a way that keeps us safe, but it enables commerce and particular people-to-people connections to occur. I think we need to push on beyond the New Zealand-Australia bubble. We need to start thinking now about what would be the next sensible country to open. How can we move into other countries like China in due course in a way that keep our people safe? that allow us to capture the opportunity of getting up there first because we're a country uh, that is um, so relatively free now of the threat of COVID. Yeah, that was interesting. The first thing I would say is, wow, when I heard Simon Bridges' voice, I thought, gosh, we haven't heard that for a while. You know, where's he been? It reminded me of working from home because (laughs) internet connection was so bad. What was he doing, driving down to Parliament or something, a few hundred cats on that? Yeah, but it it took you back, didn't it? Um, Yeah, so there have been slightly nuanced approaches from National, you would say. And the other thing is with Judith Collins was denying, denying that there had been shifts. Um, in the leadership position. Well, clearly there were. She also came out really hard and fast and pounced on Jacinda Ardern over Samoa. And um, when she was positioning Samoa as a first mover and, uh, and she was doubling down on stuff that she had said in one of the earlier debates where she reckoned that um, Samoa had gone earlier with closing the borders, which is simply not true. New Zealand um, acted faster than Samoa, closed the borders on the 19th of March. Samoa followed suit a day later on the 20th of March. There were other changes to way both countries handled the border, but I feel like we got a kind of, we got a half story from yeah. Judith there. And, and, and to be fair, Ardern wasn't completely accurate. They, if you no, listen to, to National's um, point there, they were saying um, they were clearly changing positions, but it was always on a preface of if we close the borders, if we quarantine, which we weren't doing if at that point, safe. if it's safe. So there's a bit of bit of on both sides. Yeah, to one. me, again, it was more down to strategy. I mean, Judith Collins was treating it like a town hall debate, which it was, yeah. but she was responding to the, to the hecklers, and I think she over-egged her performance. I, I've been supportive of her television performance debates and thought she did very well in, in both the TV1 and TV3 debates. I thought this time she came across as far too aggressive because she was playing to the hall. Now again, strategy. What do you say to your person who's going in there? Are you playing to the four, five hundred people who mm. are in the crowd? Or are you playing to 200, 300, 400,000 people who I... may have been watching watching it on, on television or on the internet? So again, I think Judith Collins, all fired up, smashes in there and that's all great. But I, again, I just think that National is losing on strategy strategy 
There's a great story um, from um, Live Aid with U2 and Bono where um, all the bands were, but this is where... You've lost half the audience already. I know, I know, on. I realise that. Carry on. Where you two, kind of, you two kind of <laughs> broke through. You two kind of broke through because he jumped off the Next stage. Coldplay, the, the, the <laughs> band that, that people love to laugh at white people, white people about. I know. But I'm walking right in there, walking anyway, into the fight. Anyway, the story goes that, you know, all the bands were playing to the crowd at Wembley. He jumps off the stage. The crowd at Wembley can't see him at all, right? He's lost the audience in front of him. But the cameras follow him, and he goes and have this, has this one-on-one -on -one moment in the middle of Live Aid with someone in the crowd, uh, exchanges a flower, or gives a kiss or something. And the billions at home get this completely different perspective, right, which is exactly what you're saying. He knew who his audience was. It was the billions at home, not the, you know, few hundred thousand in the Yeah, and especially room. when you're up against it, like, because that crowd seemed fairly, fairly Labour, mm. didn't it? And Jacinda Ardern is more popular. And, you know, in the People's Republic of Christchurch, and you're probably going to get a bit of a hiding. So, But, she, but, but I, I guess also, though, at the start of this campaign, Jacinda Ardern was still the Prime Minister managing COVID, right? And, and I guess now that we've come down through the, the levels... There's still a focus on COVID, obviously, but she's not day-to-day -day in, in um, level nine of the beehive managing this pandemic as closely as what she was previously. And I just think that her momentum has started to pick up again. We're starting to see that sort of spark. She's mobbed in the streets again. Yep. Um, I'm really interested to understand what your question is from the from one of our listeners. Or oh, we'll get to that. We'll get it in a second because we we're, just, we're going to wrap up. Like, no, we can't leave things out. Like we'll get to that. No. We'll wrap up. But well, I just want to say on um, Judith Collins. Uh, do, do you want to play that grab for you? Yeah, yeah. Can we play the, the, the Collins um, for Lisa grab, please, guys? That is why we have a quarantine system and one of the most robust in the world. And why aren't they paying for it? It is completely incorrect. It is completely incorrect to say that there was a failure that led to that and, outbreak. Well, where did it we come from? Under been, your, in, in a rock in your garden? We have never been come able on. to identify came on a plane. the source. Right. And if I may finish on this, Luke, according to Judith, putting Jerry Brownlee in charge of the border is the answer. Well, it's better I know people it, in this room believe that it's not true. Hey, it's a lot better than putting David Clark in charge of health and then sending him on holiday for two months during a pandemic. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I just wanted to say, inside voice, Judith Collins, inside voice. Um, so just very quickly on that, I agree with Guy on somewhat. I felt that she thought she was in the bear pit at Parliament mm. and she just crossed over that line to be assertive and in control to kind of, you know, going hey, hey to your opponent was a bit, took me to the, took me to the Biden-Trump kind of debate right. for a nanosecond. So Greens and New Zealand first in act. For minor parties just in the past, in the last week, what do they need to do as I get set up for this listener question? They need to get back into Parliament. Yeah. <laughs> they, need to, they need to jump over the 5% threshold. They need to search under those rocks that yeah. Judith was talking about, <laughs> trying to find some voters. Like, it's yeah. looking pretty... Oh, I, even, even listening to James Shaw over the last few days, you know, even he's saying it's going to be a hard ass to get there. Um, and then this morning, I think I heard him talking about the fact that, oh, well, we might not have got a capital gains tax across the line, but, you know, he's still hopeful of that wealth tax, which is effectively the same thing in his mind. I think it's interesting that in the Greens have been playing that line about how, oh, gee, we might not make it. And, and we in the media quite often react, oh, gee, that means they're not going to make it. I, I actually think it's probably quite smart because he's saying to his voters, look, don't don't think you can just vote for Jacinda Ardern. Yeah. You know, uh, we need your vote. We might not make it. And I actually think it's probably, you know, they've obviously 
thought quite. It's an orchestrated about campaign it. it's strategy. An orchestra- yeah, yeah, and remember, it was right back in the green school. Do you remember that? Yep. They were yeah. saying, "Oh, gee," and the media went with it. Oh, they admit they might not make it. And they're like, "Great." They're, he used the saying. line this morning: "A vote for the Greens is a vote for Labour." He actually yeah. used it. Yeah. Himself. Yeah. No, I think they've been blatant now. It's Jacinda Plus. Mm. Because yeah. you can get Jacinda on her own, or you can get Jacinda Plus, and mm-hmm. we're just, that's that's the Green Party strategy for the next eight or nine days. I wonder what Jacinda thinks about that one. <laughs> Whereas Winston's still waiting for a game changer that it was parked. It was parked on a, a yellow line the last time I looked. Did you see that story? His bus was parked on a yellow line. Well, we saw him at the debate, the nation debate. Oh yeah, he, we did. He was phoning in a bit, wasn't he? Yeah, he was still I... talking about Lee Kuan Yew and the Maori Battalion and yeah, and you know Rogernomics. The, I'm like, you're speaking to ghosts, mate. You're speaking to ghosts. Yeah, there was a touch of the U2 archive to him. <laughs> Absolutely. I had expected him to bring his A game because in those debates he usually dominates, holds the crowd, you know, controls the room. And it was sort of like at various points you sort of forgot he was on the stage. So in the last two minutes, my son and I wrote, writes Solomon and Jeremy Randerson. I think Jeremy Randerson is the dad, Solomon is the son. My son and I were discussing the upcoming election. Uh, he can't vote for another six years. I love this when dads and kids get into their politics debate when they're nice and young. Um, but the son is thinking about who he might vote for when he can. We were thinking about possible outcomes for this election, stumbled upon the following conundrum. What would happen if Labour ended up with 50 MPs, National 49, Act 11 and the Greens 10? So a dead heat, 60-60 and 120 seat Parliament. An unlikely couple, a grand coalition, another election, what would happen? Um, I've got the answer. Do you guys want to have a punt? Or, um, yeah, I, 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 I think I've got the answer. Go on. But, all right. So what happens is they try and form a government. We make the assumption that they'll divide down the lines yes. because they're wanting to say that there's a complete and total heat. Uh, it goes to a confidence vote where the current government, if they lose that confidence vote, they're out, potentially, and it's up to the Governor-General. Sorry, folks, you're back at the polls doing it all again. Guyans, Guyans over there doing the yeah, numbers. Yeah, no, just doing the numbers here. Just having a look at the numbers. I mean, in principle... A complete um, in, pr- in, in principle, the parties try to form a government. The Governor-General would sit back and watch. Yes. yes. And the, and the parties are. would try to do that. I mean, it's possible under a scenario like that, you might say Labour-Green um, at 60 votes and, and Labour arguing it's the largest party. It, 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 it's possible that they could, that, that they could convince... Um, an ACT party to abstain or some weird thing like that. Bit, it's possible to happen. Professor Espinel. No, nailing it. Well, no, I mean, but, but, this is probably what would happen. If, 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 if they didn't, um, and no one could tell the Governor-General that, that they could command a majority in the House, um, then, unfortunately, um, you'd go back yeah. and have no, a the, the national The National Party leaker crosses the floor, becomes a minister. No, 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 no. this is what I said. Yeah. And so, so this, this is why I rang Andrew Geddes this morning, and as he pointed out, no. he said the party hopping no. law now means you can't do that. No, right. no, that's not, it's not, it's not just that. It's, it, what you're talking about is, is the Tapsall 93 situation where Bolger took a Labour MP, made him speaker, you bring him out of the vote because he's a speaker. Doesn't and, work yeah. under MMP, that no. speaker's vote. But a vote is or counted. So Henry and Co going across with Jenny Shipley keeping the power. Mode you can try specific. and split off, but yeah. you can't do that anymore. You can't, no, you can't so neutralise them with the speaker no. anymore. Oh, no. God, let, let's just walking, not have another we're election. Walk, we're, <laughs> we were working on the purity of the question that nobody can de- negotiate exactly. past the half and so half. So yes, you'd offer you'd we're, offer act probably we've got something. We've got to get out of here, Tim. But you would, but yeah, it would probably be back to another election. That is the answer. Thank you, Randerson, for that question. Thank you, everybody, for listening again this week. We have uh, one more before Election Day. Um, listen to us on Spotify or uh, Google Podcasts or, of course, on Apple. Uh, we're on the RNZ website. Thanks for listening. Kakite. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.